I'm Victoria Doherty, and welcome to the cold. Cold is the way revenge is best served, the way a war was fought, and the way a story should be told. And this short, quirky little podcast is all about story, the writing life, and how we come to our stories and why they compel us so much, how a story can change a life. Um, This week, I want to share a little fantasy of mine with you. My husband and I often think about what it would be, what it will be like, you know, once our kids are out of the house, how we could potentially reinvent our habits and have adventures and continue our goal of lifelong learning. In the past year or so, we've hatched this scheme that you know may or may not work out, but it's been really fun to imagine pulling it off. It goes something like this. Once a year, for an extended period of time, say three months, um, we want to do a house swap. Um, living and writing in a place that piques our interests and gets our creative juices flowing and forces us out of our comfort zones. And presumably allows another couple to do the same in our home. Um, I, we actually, I actually knew someone who did something similar and they got to know this really interesting community of people who, who were like-minded and did these swaps. And um, they often actually ended up going on vacation together. So, you know, this has been in the back of my mind now for, um, for a lot of years. The process of visualizing what it might be like to throw caution to the wind and live with a certain ultra-spontaneous joie de vivre is downright intoxicating. So in that spirit, I thought I'd share with you some of my Air Castle daydreams of this mythical time in the future when my spouse and I, as empty nesters, will endeavor to recreate our lives. Now, if we're gonna do a dry run of our hoped for exploits, it seems to me, I mean, I would at least, I'd like to start in a place that is as storied as possible. Maybe something like a historic cottage in the Cotswolds in England, where um, I could spend all day long migrating from some antique desk to the mossy foot past that looked to be commonplace um, on the grounds of such, you know, of such a cottage, you know. And I imagine taking these long walks in the misty air with my dog Barney at my side. Now, you know, as I started looking at pictures of these fantasy cottages and, and what that would be like, um, I, I started kind of already getting these fairy tale images in my head. Um, and I started thinking actually about what types of fairy tales I love most and what a fairy tale would look like that I would write in such a cottage. Uh, what kind of fairy tale I want to write and and I actually would also want to read and live in at least inside my head for a while. So I thought, well, you know, as a, as a 
bit of a trial run. Maybe I'll give this a shot. Maybe I'll start writing this fairy tale and we'll see how it turns out and we'll see if it's interesting and fun. So if you'll indulge me, I want to do a bit of a rough, raw shot of this. This will be a little bit of a brain dump, unedited, so, you know, forgive me if I stumble a little. Um, here we go. Romakai, by yours truly. She'd been in the pond for nearly 300 years. Let us be succinct. 296 years, 72 days, 14 hours, 3 minutes, and 46 seconds. But how she'd gotten there was not something she talked about easily. Byron had known, of course. He was her first love. But telling him had been a mistake. Byron had kissed her rapturously, had swum with her in the pond. She was only ever happy when his father was away and they could visit. He told her she was the most beautiful thing he'd ever laid eyes on. And she'd believed him. It was, after all, part of the curse getting lovelier by the year, the day, the moment. Long white hair like spider silk, eyes the same murky green as the water around her, skin as soft as suede and the exact shade of a dandelion seed, lips the lively pink of a lotus flower and breath as sweet as its nectar. Byron had seemed so true, and maybe he was. It wasn't his fault that tales of witches were diabolical and frightening. It wasn't his fault that a witch had cursed her to this pond. Hadn't meant to. Cressida was the witch's name, and her intentions had not been evil. She had intended to protect the girl from an unwanted marriage. Only the girl's suitor had fallen into a rage when he discovered his betrothed was being kept from him. Worse, that she didn't want his hand. Not then, not ever. He'd stabbed Cressida in the heart with a silver dagger, then set her on fire. It was the only known way to deal with a witch at the time, to keep her curse intact even after her death. The girl could still hear Cressida's screams when she allowed herself to think about it. And that ugly bastard had come to see the girl almost daily, right up until he died of a ripe old age, taunting her, telling her how good life was outside of the pond, how good she could have had it. 
The girl wondered if she'd never told Byron about the witch, if he might have stayed. As it was, he told her he feared that if he, if he continued to kiss and swim about with her, he might become cursed himself. I mean, the girl thought it odd this had only occurred to her young man after she'd told him the specifics of her predicament. I mean, after all, an unearthly beauty who lives in a pond must be in some way enchanted, and enchantments are notorious for being contagious. It had become clear to her in the following years that Byron of the delicious kisses, of the splashing in the water, of the laughing and adoring hadn't been much of a thinker. 300 years. It was a very long time. Nay, 296 years, 72 days, 14 hours, 6 minutes, and 54 seconds as of this very word. There had been many young men after Byron ran away. Edward, William, Simon, Ellsworth, Philip, James, Grayson, Miles, Graham, at least a dozen after that. Not all of them had been young men she loved the way she loved Byron, but she'd certainly liked them all. They passed the time. Never did she wish any one of them harm. If only wishes were changes. See, out of nowhere one day, when the cottage had been empty for some decades, a boy, like a gift, discovered the place and started playing about there, pretending to be a pirate. It was wrong of her to call out to him. She even knew it at the time, yet once she'd started, she couldn't stop. She'd played to his sense of adventure, his, his hope to one day rescue a ravishing maiden from a terrible fate. She'd peeked her head out from the pond, letting him see her face without a clear pane of water between them. A face so exquisite that he'd stumbled backward. Come kiss me, she whispered. And he did come, his hands shaking as he reached out for her, a gasp of pleasure as he fell into the water and she wrapped her arms around him. They kissed and kissed and kissed for hours, rolling all about the pond like river otters. And when their lips parted at last, the girl looked upon his face such delicate features, a freckled nose, lips that were small but not thin. His eyes were closed. His body seemed heavy in the water. And he was not breathing. The girl screamed and held him close, weeping and wailing, calling out his name, slapping his cheeks. But it was no use. She 
drowned the poor boy. All of 14 he was. Now for 99 years, 36 days, 9 hours, 11 minutes, and 22 seconds, his body, now just a litter of bones, had sat at the bottom of the pond. Her only company. Since then, she had watched the people of the cottage come and go, but she had never whispered to them in the night, shown them her body rippling in an aquatic dance just beneath the surface of the pond, and never, ever had she let anyone see her face. It was a fate she deserved, she told herself, killing a boy with her loneliness. Lionel, she heard a voice call one day. Yes. It was a deep voice of soft velvet, a man's voice. He stood on the stone bridge talking to a postman. told him to call him Lionel, not Mr. Ray, which was his surname, according to the postman. Right, okay, Lionel it is then. Lionel. Thick, dark hair with a wave to it, like the sea at night. Eyes as wet and dark as oil. A fine-looking man was Lionel. Quiet and contemplative. He was moving alone into the cottage to do research, he said, but he didn't say what kind. Although he looked to be of an age when a woman should be at his side, at least on some evenings, his first weeks in the cottage had been spent without company. No friends or family, no visitors except for the postman. And there was nothing about him that seemed lonely at all. I mean, he walked with purpose, his brow knitted with thought. Sometimes he would stare into the pond. Then, one evening, he stood gazing at the water for a good long while, his mouth painted with the faintest of smiles. Roma guy, she heard him whisper. Then he turned and walked back into the house. What did you say? She called out. It was the first time she'd, she'd, she'd used her voice since she drowned the boy who played at being a pirate. Romakai, he'd said. She was sure of it. It was a name she hadn't heard in forever. A, a name she had not even spoken to herself in her mind's voice. One that seemed to have died with her when Cressida had given her to the pond for safekeeping. It had been a rare name in her time, and she had not heard it since. Not one person who'd lived in the cottage or visited it was named Romakai. Romakai. 
It was her name. So what did you think of that first little section? I mean, that really was just a brain dump. I, I wrote it looking at a picture of that cottage that I described to you, the one that I, I fantasized about us living in for a summer or winter or, or you know, whatever we could get. Um, and it kind of occurred to me that if, if I could write the beginnings of a fairy tale just looking at the picture of a house, I wonder what it would be like to actually be sitting at a desk in a house like that and, um, and conjuring stories. It's fun to think about, but um, hopefully if, um, if you like this, I mean, what do, you what do you think, my friends here? I mean, is this something we should continue? Should this fairy tale be written to its very end? Um, if you think so, then we'll continue with this next week. If not, we will move on. But until then, stay cold and maybe try to be inspired by your surroundings this week and see what you come up with. Even if it's just looking at a picture. Thanks. <laughs>